we're doing this series which is all about um, the church that Jesus would build. And we've been on a, quite a journey around it. And my um, job today is for us to help us to think about the church gathered. And um, this has been not too difficult for me in some ways because I'm an extrovert. In any personality test I've ever taken, I love to be with pe- people pretty much, it doesn't surprise anyone, does it? I love to be with, uh, with people around pretty much anything and everything I ever do. In fact, the first thing I did a couple of weeks ago when I was started to sit down at my desk on my own to think about the church gathered, the first thing I did was call John and had a 10-minute conversation because I like to talk about things, about the church gathered. And 10 minutes with this amazing godly man is just was such a blessing to me. And I hope it will be a blessing to you as well. Um, I'm a people watcher. I'm a people appreciator. I'm a people encourager. I'm fascinated by people. Everybody. It, not on it. Fascinates me in some way. Um, I care really deeply um, for other people. Um, I just love people. And as your pastor, you might be (laughs) really pleased to know that. But hopefully, that's not much of a surprise to you if you know me. All my strengths, according to Gallup Strengths Finder, which I'm a big fan of. If you haven't done it, talk to me. I'll talk about it. But all of my um, strengths on Strengths Finder are blue. And if you know anything about it, the blue is relational. I navigate life. I lead, I connect, I do everything by kind of connecting and gathering people and connecting people to each other. You know, I value it more than anyone else, working with and being with people. I love to get teams together to work on things. So the way that Christmas is all coming together every year, oh, everybody playing their different part is incredible. I love it. I love the richness of our God-designed differences that each and every one of us carry. The beauty of creation and the handiwork of the creator that is unveiled in each and every one of us. He creates and he expresses himself in different ways through each of us. Do you know that the Bible says you are a masterpiece? You are a masterpiece and God has already planned things for you to do in your lifetime. So when we come together, we gather together, something amazing forms. The church isn't this space, beautiful though these stained glass windows are, lovely though the community centre up at Marley Hill is. The, The building is not the church. The church is us gathered together in God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to start in true Nicola style by including everybody. So you've got two minutes. Turn to the person next to you, and I would love you just to discuss this. What comes to your mind when you think of the gathered church? Ready? A couple of minutes. What comes to your mind? Just share that conversation for a couple of minutes. Go! And if you don't know the person next to you, say hello. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so lots of different ideas, lots of different experiences just in this room of what it means, what comes to mind when you think of the church gathered. 
Jesus regularly participated in congregational worship. When you read the New Testament, um, we see that he was often in the synagogue. He was often teaching. He was ministering. He was healing. And if we're his disciples, we need to follow his example around gathering. And I know I'm preaching to the choir because we're all here gathered this morning. But some of his final words when he was together with his disciples was this. He said, um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then we know the believers went on this journey together after Jesus' death and resurrection, and we find them in Acts 2. They've stuck together. They've followed the pattern of Jesus. And it says this, Acts 2, uh, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. They were together gathered, praising God in his presence and with each other. And at Pentecost, the church was birthed. The spirit of God fell on believers and we are part of that same story to this very day. He still pours out his spirit on us as we gather. I just love to worship. I mean, I have an absolute treat of a seat there because I I go wrong because I get distracted looking and seeing what God is doing in this place. As we worship this morning, God's presence, God's spirit is falling on us. He's with us. Like, this is amazing. That same story of the presence of God at Pentecost with his church poured out his spirit on believers is still our story, is still not just our story, but our reality. And it is a holy thing to be part of this bride of Christ, his church. And so today, I want to make five points, five points, about the church gathered. I've gone rogue on the slides because uh, Frank's not here, so I've got lollipops and everything. We, we normally are told, do black with white words, but I've gone wonky and yellow. And here come my five points that I want to just dig into today. Rachel said she thought it was funky, so that was good. So here we go. The five things I just want to touch on today are about the gathered church. There I am. We connect with God as we gather. We connect with each other as we gather. We're in communion with the Trinity together as we gather. And we are sent as we gather. So I'm going to begin with, there I am. There's this beautiful passage in Matthew 18, in verse 20. And it's sandwiched between like these real conversations about life as a church family. And the disciples are saying to Jesus, like, you know, what do I do? If someone in this community of believers sins against me, what do I do? And, uh, and And in between, sandwiched in between these very real things that come up when we live in community, when we are close to one another, these upsetting things that can happen, misunderstandings, someone's rude. You know, if you've been around church long enough, you'll know that 
we can have these moments and these, these things. We have the capacity to sin against each other. And um, John told, told me this great quote. I wrote it down. God has given us other Christians as a test of our love. Like, it's true, isn't it? We are, not, we are not perfect. We rub up against each other and we have the capacity to sin. Anyway, in the middle of this, this discussion with Jesus, there is this incredible um, thing that Jesus says. I love the honesty of scripture and the honesty of Peter to question Jesus and Jesus' openness to answer and tell him just how many times we should forgive one another. Not very British. But in the middle of it all, we find this. This is the message. It says, take most seriously. A yes on earth is yes in heaven, and no on earth is no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my Father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. And the NIV says, for where two or three gather in my name, there, I, there am I with them. Or the New King James, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Just listen Listen, listen to that. Just leave that up if you like. That'd be great. As we gather, Jesus is already, there I am. There he is here as we gather. Like this is, I know I've read this so many times before, but this last couple of weeks, this has really like sat with me. Do you see the order? He loves us together so much, honoring him, that he says, there he is. He's not coming. He's not on his way. He's not, I'll possibly get there soon. He is, there am I. We are his church. When our hearts and our minds and our souls and our bodies come together, all that we are, to focus on him, there he is. <laughs> we say, come Holy Spirit, because we want even more of the presence of God. But we acknowledge he is already here. When we worshipped this morning, he was here already. When you walked in, we gathered together in him, for him, with our eyes fixed on him. He says, there am I. I love it. As this church gathers today, here and up at Marley Hill, there's two dedications. What a fantastic day they're going to have. On Tuesday night in South Shields, we gather, we worship, we're involved in discipleship, we're involved in training and ministry. And Jesus says... There am I. Full stop. So that's the first point. And the second is we connect with God as we gather. David shared with us um, a few weeks ago just the vision that he gave to David for the planting of this church. And if you remember, the top floor was full of people worshipping. There was music, there were people knelt down, their whole lives surrendered to the Lord. There was a heart of worshipping and honouring Jesus, coming together, establishing the church gathered together and God has shown us that from the very start to gather is absolutely crucial and at Revive tonight we have an extended time of worship so if you want to come back seven o'clock for a drink half seven start we're just going to worship for the evening oh, 
What a joy that is. The top floor, anyway, was all about coming together, gathering together to worship, to lift up the name of Jesus in our lives, over each other's lives, and over the lives of this city and beyond. Because of that truth, that there I am. Mm. I think when we come together, it's a bit like setting up an ambush for God to be encountered by God, something important happens in the gathered space of worship of a church family. If you remember a few weeks ago, I talked about the presence of God and sort of charted through God's people, through, through the generations, how God's presence dwelt with his people. For me, personally, gathering to worship is one of the most precious things. I love to be in worship. I love to sniff out a, a conference to go to just to worship. I love to, um, when we're on holiday, we go and find a church so that we can worship with God's people. When um, Pastor uh, Yumi was here the other day, worship was just so much fun. I got my camera out and I was like, and David was like nudging me in the ribs, stop it, Nicola. But I love to be in worship. I love to record worship. I just it, I just love it so much because there Jesus is. There's something so special about corporate worship and there has been through the ages where we connect with God in a special way. He gathers his people. We are now the temple. We must, mustn't underestimate how much corporate worship honours God and how much he blesses it, how much he blesses us in corporate worship, how much he blesses where we are, the streets around, the city that we're in, because we come together to worship, and there he is. Last week, I wasn't here, I was up at Marley Hill, because um, I had to just um, be involved with the, one of the kids' group, because someone got COVID, and you know, still hasn't gone away, has it? So anyway, I was up there, but it was amazing, and I'll tell you why it was amazing. We were looking at the promises of God. It was a small group of six to 11-year-olds, and we started talking about the promises of God, and the children started talking about all the promises that they knew that God has for them and their lives, and as they talked, one of them remembered remembered the song, um, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. We always sing it. And all of a sudden, one of the kids started singing it after we were talking about the promises of God. And you just could feel an increase in the Holy Spirit in the room. And the children just started all singing at the top of their voices. And they started dancing and singing and writing down promises to give to other people at the end of the service. And it was just this incredible, impromptu, Jesus just saying, I am there, (laughs) there I am, and it was just amazing. So corporate worship, coming together, is so important. So we connect with God as we gather, and we connect with each other as we gather. I like my lollipops, I got carried away. According to um, (laughs) the Greek, okay, the word for fellowship that is used in the New Testament The root word is koinos, right? And this word means common, mutual, and public. And it refers to something that's held in common. And koinonia is the primary word that is translated from this word about fellowship. And it's got two ideas to it, right? One is to share, 
to take part in, that sense of partnership and participation. And the other is to share with, and it's that sense of giving to others. And in the New Testament, this word emphasises that everyone everyone is involved some way in relationship, in fellowship. And koinoinos, 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 oh, something like that, is the noun form of the word. And it's used less often in the New Testament, but the meaning is a partner, associate, or a companion. And the similar word, synkoinionos, means one who shares with or partaker of. I'll stop now with all of that. But you get, the, you get the point. This is about something much bigger and something much deeper. And um, I'm just going to ask Cat and Sean, because I thought maybe you don't know Cat and Sean. They've been around for a while. Do you guys come up? I want them. They're going to share with you, just briefly, what does connecting in with the gathered church mean to them? Cat is now... Um, our church administrator. So if you get emails from Kat, this is the Kat. Yes, you're right here. Come over. And this is um, Sean, her lovely husband. And I thought of these guys because I know, I don't know if they're going to talk about this, but they lived for a while in Korea during COVID and it became sort of impossible to connect with people. And so fellowship, I think, has been all the sweeter. So what does connecting in and with the gathered church mean to you? So... Connecting in, in, in the gathered church is important to us as it allows us the opportunity to meet like-minded Christians. In my experience, we've done this with, within church by serving on team and attend small groups social, and socialising at different events. Thank you. Yeah, so I've been part of a few churches and I always try and get involved with small groups straight away because I just find it a really great place. Although I've been the worst small group member here, so I do apologise to Lucy and Adam. But um, we are part of the group. And um, I just find it a really great way to, to make deeper friendships with people. And even before you get to know people really well, you know that you can go to those people, ask for help, get support, get prayer. Um, so I always really try and do that. And also I love learning from other people's experience and knowledge of Christianity. Um, but as Nicholas said, we lived in South Korea for a couple of years. And it was when lockdown started in the UK, so COVID just hit. Um, and for the first year, we were all right. We were just watching church in the UK online. But then we really started to miss being part of a church community. We felt a bit isolated. Um, we'd only just got married 10 days before we left. There was just the two of us, which was absolutely fine, but I felt like we were becoming our little married bubble. Um, so we did join a small group as, as soon as we could, and even though because of COVID restrictions we couldn't um, meet up too often, it was just really good to have the support of those people. Like, I got them to pray for me when I was unwell. We just got, we knew that there was somebody there, we weren't by ourselves, and so we didn't feel as isolated, which was amazing. Um, but yeah, so for us, for me, small groups are really a huge part of being gathered together. Thank you. Oh, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> so when I became a Christian, uh, being part of a small group and serving on a team encouraged me to continue to learn more about God. And as I built relationships and felt, and felt able to ask more questions about Christianity, so like we would encourage people to make, make an effort to consistently try to be part of meetings where you can build relationships and learn from others. 
Thank you so much, guys. Sean and Kat. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Koinonia, right there. Fellowship is more than just attending a meeting or eating donuts together. That doesn't mean koinonia has happened. Deep fellowship, where like you say, you can really know each other. There's a Tuesday lunchtime group just has started with a few people here on a, on a Tuesday morning and I always nip down just to see what's going. And fellowship, deep friendship that is concerned with every aspect of someone else's life is amazing. We mustn't confuse socialising with fellowship. It often starts with a bit of socialising, but to really fellowship to share and participate with one another takes a real intentionality, so go for it. In the New Testament, koinonia is sharing on a deeper spiritual level, that gift of God to us to be able to have fellowship with one another. So we need fellowship. I've got a, I'm very fortunate, I've got like a, a log burner and we put smokeless coal on it sometimes. And you know, it's true, that old adage that if you take a hot piece of coal out of a fire, it goes cold. But the amazing thing is you can put it back in again. So if you feel like you've kind of come away from that deep fellowship with people, come back in. The strength of your spiritual fire is related to the fellowship you have with the body of Christ. We need the fire and the warmth of others regularly. You'll not be able to maintain your spiritual zeal. I won't without fellowship that God supplies through that beautiful thing of koinonia. So, last nearly last. We are in communion with the Trinity together as we gather. Does that not blow your mind? Like, I'm just going to say that again. We are in communion with the Trinity as we gather. The beautiful love so evident between the Father, Son and Holy Spirit in creating and sustaining the church creates much, much more than an earthly organisation. Instead, the church gathered is fashioned into a community of love that reflects the same characteristic, the same love of the Trinity. Like, your faces are not reflecting what I'm saying here. The love of the Trinity, Father, Son, of Holy Spirit, is what is in the church. It reflects his love. John 17 is the most incredible passage in Scripture. This is Jesus praying for his disciples there in the space and also praying for us, his church now. Right? This is what Jesus prays for us. So my prayer is not for them alone, the ones that are right in front of him that you can see at that time. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Jesus is praying for you and for me. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. 
I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. If you leave the first slide up, Joe, that would be great. Just as the church is this glorious gift of love from God the Father to Jesus the Son, so the church as the body reflects this Trinitarian love and beauty outwardly to the world. When we are gathered, like this is a miracle, people. This is so incredible. We are caught up in the love and the mission of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The gathered church is the church that Jesus would build. You might have heard people say, well, I can worship anywhere, you know, on a Sunday morning, really. You know, I can worship on the golf course, I can go to the beach, I can, I can worship on the moors, you know, I can be with nature and worship God. And yes, you can. But that is not the place of gathering in union with God and in that deep koinonia fellowship with one another. Congregational worship is more like heaven. Like this morning, it's like a foretaste of heaven. There's nothing private about worship in heaven. So yes, go to the beach. Yes, be with God. Of course, we worship on our own. But always come together. That corporate worship is how we are to be as his temple, as his body, as his bride. So if you love God, you will love his people. When you love someone, you do have a lot to do with their family. It's the same with Jesus. If you love him, you're going to love his people. Warts and all. The Bible's clear that we shouldn't neglect gathering together. And so, yeah, when we worship, we are in communion with the Trinity. And lastly, we are sent as we gather. And Titi's just going to say a few words about how in her life, she is a sent person from being a gathered person. Oh. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Nita. Um, I just want to... Hang on, I'm just going to that on. Okay. Sean's efficient. Yeah, so I'm here to talk about gathered to be sent. So sometimes we come here, as you look at your faces, we are different. We have different burdens and different gifts. For me, my gift is to cook jollof rice. And, <laughs> and what I do with my gift, when I gather in the church and we rub each other's shoulders, we learn from each other, because that's what Christ commanded us to do, and we wash each other's feet. Do you understand? You know, sometimes it's so difficult. There are people that it's so difficult to love. The more you love them, the more they don't want to be loved. But you just have to continue to love. So gathering doesn't just stop us. You just sitting there and, you know, getting the blessing for yourself. You need to be sent. You need to go away and show the love of God. I will say where I work, you're not allowed to preach Christ. You are not allowed to just come to somebody. But what I do is one, Sundays when I'm cooking my uh, Sunday lunch, I make extra packs of jollof rice and I take it to the office and I share to people and I hug people, including my managers. I hug them, I give them. And when I finish, when I'm going, I say, God bless you. Have a lovely weekend. And I go. I remember somebody asking me, Chichi, what are you doing on Sunday? I say, I'm going to go to church. And he looked at me. 
church. Not even my grandmother still goes to church. And I say, oh, church. When you go to church, there's love, there's fellowship. Do you mind coming with me one of these days? And today she still goes to church, that same person. So you love by the gift God gives you. Don't just internalize it. You need to take it out. I like last Christmas when we gathered in that park and people came and we were handing out food and we were handing out things. They would surely go home and say, what is it in these people? Why are they sharing things like that? The love of Christ doesn't stop in you coming to church. It extends by you going into the community and using the gifts that are embedded in you to preach Christ. You don't necessarily need to open your mouth to preach Christ. Praise the Lord. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. That prayer of Jesus is the outworking of the gathered church in the world. Thank you, Chi Chi. Gathering is crucial to being sent and supported and built up. We have lots of, I have lots of friends doing different things across this nation and across the world. But I think pretty much for all of them, the, the context of being sent has happened in gathered, um, in gathered worship, in a gathered space, the church gathered. And that's how the body of Christ works. We gather, we connect with him, we connect with God as we gather, we connect with each other as we gather, we commune with the Trinity as we gather, and we are sent as we gather. That is the church that Jesus is building and the church that Jesus loves, and he says, there I am. Who does not want to be part of that more and more? So we are going to stand, and we are going to, oh, David's going to trip over and come and chip in. There you go. Praise you, Lord. Um, Thank you, Jesus. A few things are just, well, there's lots Nick said. That was brilliant. Thank you. And um, it was really cool. And, um, and Chi-Chi, and you guys, amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, I was really drawn to um, a passage um, in Colossians 2, as Nick was speaking. And um, there's, a, there's a starty bit, which is kind of basically rebuking somebody who's going off doing, kind of being a bit unhumble. Is that the right word? And it says this, They have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Um, I've got a slightly dodgy ankle. Um, the tendons and the ligaments are all a bit um, done in. And I went to the physio. I hope the physio is not watching because I'm going to confess I've not done any of the exercises she's given me. And, um, so, um, and it's still sore. If I try and run on it, it hurts because the tendons and the ligaments aren't strong enough. And you know, there are people within our community who probably aren't here today who are hurting and are in pain because their connection with the body has become loose, has become stretched. And so um, it, I wonder if, as a community now, we can just take a few minutes to pray for each other, to pray for each other, but to pray for the church, to pray for those. You may know, and maybe don't mention them by name because obviously that might be something kind of private for them, but, but maybe just gather in twos and threes if you feel comfortable doing this 
And let's just pray for our church family. You know, we've come through a pandemic where we have been dislocated from each other. And it's time now where the Lord is going to... I really believe we are entering a season of complete rebuilding and re-strengthening. And what Nick shared, he wants for his church. So let's be praying. Praying for people who are on the periphery. Praying for those that, like Chi-Chi said, you know, why don't you come to church with me? And then has been going to church ever since. And, And Lord, let's be praying for them. So gather in twos and threes, but let's start there.